Welcome in to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Maurice Patton, coming to you live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. Glad to have you guys alongside for the ride. Did not mean to rhyme there. It I thought you. Uh, I thought you actually wrote that. <laughs> nope, that was off the cuff and not necessarily meant to happen. But poet and you didn't even know it. Bust around anytime. What they say. Anyway, thank you guys for for being with us. Of course, as always, we have a fantastic show lined up today. We've got some guests. We don't always have guests on Monday, but some massive news over the weekend kind of warranted it, as well as uh, the conclusion of the NBA's in-season tournament that I can tell you Mo and I watched about the same amount of zero. Uh, very, very little, if, if much at all. So Landon Seacrest is going to join us in the second hour. He'll talk about it. And as I do know that the, the Lakers won. That's what I know. That's that big extent of my uh, To which many LBJ uh, yeah. fans have said, Michael Jordan never won an in-season tournament. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, MJ might come back at this point. Just, <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Just to play in and win an in-season tournament. I'm just saying. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that with Landon. Uh, baseball, John Parado of Sportskeeda joins us in just a few moments to talk about Shohei Otani and the dominoes that have fallen. Uh, just got some Braves news, so we'll talk about them as well in the show. And, of course, Terry McCormick at the top of the hour gives you your daily Titans report as they are playing tonight. But they're not the only game in town tonight, which is really weird. So... Yeah, there are two Monday night games starting at the same time. There's two NFL two, games. Two NFL games, same time. You know what? Champions. You know who's happiest about that? The Titans. The Titans. <laughs> because not everybody will see this bloodletting. No, 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 they will not. Oh. Hmm. So who's the other game? Uh, the Packers, and we'll we'll get to it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who it is in, in the, the rundown. rundown. This is the rundown. Oh, the Monday Rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith-based, Christ-centered education in Murray County. Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit zioneagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy. Prepared for college, equipped for purpose. Girls basketball from over the weekend on Friday night. Laverne 52, Antioch 32. It was Coffee County 56, 34 winners over Blackman. Callaway County of Kentucky edged Christ Presbyterian 40 to 39. It was Creekwood 71, 45 winners over Centennial. And Clarksville 71, West Creek 26. Ezel Harding down Clarksville Academy 57, 31, while Northwest was a 58, 34 winner over Northeast. Loretto with a 20-point win over Collinwood 48, 28. Cookville down to Andersonville, 37-29. Kalioka, a 56-14 winner over Zion Christian. Good pasture downs at Davidson Academy, 65-35. East Nashville, 74-11 winners over Lawson. Nashville Christian, 56-27 against Friendship Christian. Stewart's Creek edges Gallatin, 43-42. While Grace Franklin down Columbia Academy, 58-44. It was Lebanon, 44. Green Hill, 35. Harpeth Hall, how about this? 53-41 winners over Webb School. 
this is this is going to be an interesting year for for the the web feet women. That's all I'm saying. Fairview 43, Hickman County 42, Hillsborough Downs Independence 52, 22, Endsworth 53, 18 winners over Hume Fogg, Stratford Falls to John Overton 73, 51, while Henry County was a 52, 16 winner over Kirkwood. Livingston Academy 60, Martin Luther King 13, Whites Creek 48, McGavick 39, Merrill Hyde 40, 37 winners over Joe Burns, and Battleground Academy falls to MTCS 59, 44. Also, Brentwood Academy defeated Page 45, 39, Rockvale with a 59, 43 win over Nolansville, Rossview defeated Kenwood 65, 27, it was Eagleville 45, Santa Fe 24, Shepherdville with a 41, 18 win over Riverdale, Springfield defeated Dixon County 35, 28, that's basketball, not football. We're here with a 39-34 win over visiting Marshall County coverage and Main Street Murray.com ball. Beach 67, Station Camp 42, Valor Collegiate 68, Stan Academy 3. That's also basketball. Campbell County with a 47-45 win over Moore County as Carly Campbell scored 20. Columbia Central 48, Summit 32, Cheatham County with a 30-29 win over Sycamore. Duncan Road Academy 60, University School of Nashville 22, Upperman Down Providence Christian 36-31. It was Westmoreland with a 45-38 win over Allen County, Kentucky. White House Wood is defeated Portland 35-32. Wilson Central 61, Mount Pleasant 40, York Institute 54, Oakland 21. Those were all Friday night girls basketball results. Wilson, Wilson Central Mount Julius. What about Pleasant? I'm sorry. Which is, yeah, understand. Houston Central 61, Mount Juliet 40. Again, those were all Friday night girls results. On Saturday, Coffee County defeated Ravenwood 72-30. Knoxville Catholic with a 61-48 win over Innsworth. South Haven Christian defeated Fayette Academy 60-38. Let's see, Boyd Senior Christian with a 44-36 win over Franklin Christian. Father Ryan defeated Franklin Road Academy 42-30. Grace Christian of Franklin. 51, Pope Prep 48, Lipscomb Academy 62, Battleground Academy 54, Middle Tennessee Christian defeated Nashville Christian 56-50, Richland 61, Zion Christian 3, Conway of Arkansas defeated Rockvale 58-40, Pearl Cone defeated Sheffield of Alabama 50-33, and Upperman down Cleveland 54-42. Boys basketball, Laverne 55, 38 winners over Antioch, Blackman, Downs, Coffee County 43-40 on Friday. It was Callaway County 77-76. Wow. Two one-point wins for Callaway County over Christ Presbyterian and girls and boys. That is Folks got what they paid for. Unfortunate huh? for Christ Presbyterian. But yes, it sounds like they did get what they got the prize of admission there. Franklin 70, Cane Ridge 63, Clarksville 45, West Creek 29, Clarksville Academy, Downsizo Harding 67, 52, and Northwest 74, 51 winners over Northeast. Loretto 68, Collinwood 49, Cookville down to Hendersonville 49, 35, not football. <laughs> Kalioka 65, 48 winners over Zion Christian, and coverage of that on MainStreetMurray.com from yours truly as well. Good Pasture, 75-64 winners over Davidson Academy East. Nashville, 51-44 against Lawson. Friendship Christian, 90-55 against Nashville Christian. Gallatin down Stewart's Creek, 58-39. Glencliff, 77-63 winners over Smyrna. Columbia Academy down Grace Franklin, 52-40. And Green Hill, 64-35 winners over Lebanon. Fairview Falls to Hickman County, 43-38. Henderson, Henderson, I'm sorry, Independence. 
and Hillsboro. Jeez, it's 57 for Independence, 49 for the Hillsboro, for the Burroughs. All right, John Overton, 79, Stratford, 36, Kirkwood, 63, Henry County, 28, Martin Luther King, 55-54 against Livingston Academy, Joe Burns, 77, Merrill Hyde, 40, Battleground Academy, Downs, Middle Tennessee Christian, 78, 38, and Donaldson Christian with a 61-55 win over Mount Juliet Christian. Also on Friday, boys basketball, Vermont Academy with a 62-47 win over Page. Pope Prep defeated McCauley, 75-61, Guess they don't have any basketball boarding students. Huh? Providence Christian 75, Webb 57, Nolansville with a 64 50 win over Rockvale. Rossview defeated Kenwood 54 49. It was Santa Fe 48, Eagleville 45. Shelbyville with a 68 55 win over Riverdale. Marshall County defeated Spring Hill 71 46. Beach Down Station Camp 57 46. Summertown 83, Moore County 39. Summit with a 55-49 win over Columbia Central, sweeping that season series. Sycamore with a 57-41 win over Cheatham County. University School of Nashville, 62. Franklin World Academy, 59. Westmoreland, 60. Allen County, Kentucky, 32. East Robertson with a 71-58 win over White House. White House Heritage defeated Portland, 57-42. Wilson Central, 63. Mount Juliet, 39. And York Institute edged Oakland 62-60. On Saturday, Ravenwood defeated Coffee County 62-45. It was South Haven Christian 59, Fayette Academy 49. Father Ryan with a 50-45 win over Franklin Road Academy. Memphis University School defeated Kirkwood 57-52. Battleground Academy down Lipscomb Academy 63-43. Arlington with a 37-32 win over Loretto. Middle Tennessee Christian defeated Nashville Christian 60-52. Montgomery Bell Academy won 63-41 over Murray, Kentucky. Richland defeated Zion Christian 61-47. Rock Vale 69. Humboldt 59. West Creek with a 59-49 win over Russellville, Kentucky. And Siegel defeated Upperman 55-48. And based on some reports from Twitter, that Siegel-Upperman game was intense hmm. <laughs> yeah hmm. so okay. there's that uh men's basketball from the weekend tennessee down illinois 86 79 it was austin p making it a tough trip for murray state uh males 53 49 over the racers belmont 75 middle tennessee state 65 and apparently worse than the score indicated from what i understand Lipscomb down Genesee State, 78-71. UT Southern edge Cumberland, 89-87. And Philander Smith got Fisk in double overtime, 78-68. Trevecca uh, got a big win over Malone, 69-65. On the women's side, Murray State's women did at least take some kind of consolation home with a 93-85 win over the Lady Govs of Austin Peay. Tennessee down Eastern Kentucky, 72-63. MTSU with a 63-47 win over Tennessee Tech. Lipscomb down Johnson, 85-49. Fisk was a 71-63 winner over Philander Smith. And Trevecca down Lake Erie, 91-45. <clears throat> on the ice, Toronto blanked the Predators on Saturday, 4 mm -hmm. 0 Preds come back on Sunday with a 2-1 win over Montreal. Mm. And Minnesota in the association with a 127-103 win over the Grizzlies. Tonight's high school basketball schedule. These are all doubleheaders, all girls games starting at 6 o'clock. 
Montgomery Central is at Cheatham County. Friendship Christian goes to Clarksville Academy. Fairview hosts Marshall County. Joe Burns is at Houston County. Mount Juliet takes on visiting Smyrna. Eagleville travels to Mount Pleasant. Summertown is at Murfreesboro Central. Frank Hughes is at Santa Fe, and Dixon County goes out to Waverly. Girls only, 5.30 tip, Briarcrest Christian is at Lipscomb Academy. In the National Football League, 7.15 kickoff on ESPN. It is the Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. 7.15 kickoff on ABC. It is the Green Bay Packers in East Rutherford, New Jersey, against the New York football Giants. and. At FedEx Forum tonight, 7 o'clock tip, you can see it on NBA TV. It's the Dallas Mavericks at the Memphis Grizzlies, and that is your rundown. Top stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly in Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. Make sure to go by and see, of course, the fine folks at Piggly Wiggly who are keeping you fed and happy over there. If, you get, if you're looking for lunch, they've got great lunch specials. And, of course, your fresh hand-cut meats and produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. Uh, Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. Our top store today is very unfortunate, and I know Justin is still likely mourning uh, here on this this Monday as Frank Wachek, Titans legend, tight end, and of course will forever be remembered for the Music City Miracle and his lateral to Kevin Dyson. You heard me. I said what I said. You said what you said, and you said it right. So uh, Frank died over the weekend after uh, reports saying that he – fell inside his home in Chattanooga and passed away. But, uh, yeah, um, tough to talk about today. It is. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, his part in the Music City Miracle and the lateral to Dr. Dyson for that touchdown and that win over Buffalo in the AFC wildcard game. But... This guy, when he played, was one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. And and obviously that was a huge play that he was a part of for the Titans. It set them on that path to the franchise's only Super Bowl appearance. Um, three playoff wins all on the – well, the next two playoff games on the road. Um, but, again, he he was more than that one play sure. as a player. and. I just I feel like that deserves to be said, you know, that those first couple of years that they spent in Nashville playing that first year at Vanderbilt and then the first year in the new stadium. And he was he was a major part of a lot of their success aside from the Music City Miracle. So um, thoughts go out to his family, obviously, and to Titans fans everywhere. Yeah, Wycheck had a really solid career here in Nashville. But even before, when they were in Houston, man, uh, you know, he was he was a part of the, the team that obviously left 
Um, but just a really, you know, not just on the field, but off the field here in Nashville, a, a really important figure in bringing an NFL franchise to, to Nashville. 505 career receptions, 5,126 receiving yards, 28 touchdowns. <laughs> and obviously he's in the ring of honor inside Nissan Stadium. Um, <clears throat> Rightfully so. Played his college ball at Maryland. It was a sixth-round pick in the 93 draft of the Washington Redskins. So, you know, I, you always, you always kind of think about guys like like Wachek and and kind of remember them for their, you know, the, the big things. But it, to play tight end in the NFL for as long as he did at that high of a level is really impressive because there aren't many guys who do that. I mean, you think about, and I know that injuries uh, were part of it, but you think about like Sterling Sharp, you know? I mean, tight ends just didn't last very long, especially in the 90s, because they were the guys going over the middle. They were the guys getting hit by those middle linebackers that didn't have rules against them, and the safeties who didn't have rules against, you know, spearing and you know, targeting and things like that. I mean, they were the guys who had to take the brunt of that stuff. And, you know, he, Frank was very vocal, you know, not too long ago about, you know, feeling like he had suffered C CTE. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think, I think you have to be impressed with what he did in his career. I know, Justin, you, you saw, you had tweeted something about, you know, where he ranked among quarterback tight end duos with right. McNair. Uh, I think Sharp and Elway were in that mix. Uh, Shannon? Yeah. You said not Sterling. Star I meant Shannon. Yeah. Um, Sterling played wide receiver for the Packers. I was wondering if you knew something I, I didn't. No, I, I just, for okay. whatever reason. It's okay. It <laughs> but, um, you know, Kelsey and, and Mahomes kind of, bring it to the forefront in our minds these days there aren't a whole lot of you know great tight end quarterback combos but you know uh, gates and even philip rivers uh, but yeah i mean i feel like i feel like wachek and and mcnair rank at least top five looking deeper at his stats 11 seasons for those 505 catches and more than half of his catches went for first downs, 270. Mm. I mean, that's... That's impressive. Uh, you know, um, the tight end is always your quarterback's security blanket, and why check field that row, particularly with the Titans? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. We, of course, just want to say one more time that we... Send our condolences out to the Wachek family and, you know, to the Titans family. Mm -hmm. I know that, that many of them in Nashville are hurting today. Before we get out of here, Mo, and I don't, this is not really part of the top story, but I don't know if we're going to get a chance to get to it in the next segment since we have a guest. 
just before we came on the air, literally like seconds before our faces showed up on the screen, the blue box from the Atlanta Braves <laughs> popped up and we have coaches. Which is a good thing. Coaches, coaches are good. I mean, players are better, but coaches are good. I mean, players are important. Coaches are too. Matt Tuiasasopo, Tom Goodwin, and Eric Abreu have been named third base, first base, and bullpen coaches, respectively. That will round out the coaching staff. Tuiasasopo will coach third, Goodwin at first, and then Abreu, coming over from the Astros organization, will be in the bullpen. Not Which, surprised to see Matt Tuiasasopo at third base. No, he had been at Gwinnett, and as recently as this past summer, when Ron Washington stepped away from the team for a weekend to be inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, um, Tuiasasopo came up and was the um, third base coach that weekend. So he has filled in on a handful of occasions in that capacity. I'll be interested to see what happens with the Gwinnett Stripers 1P as far as what they do to replace him in that role. Yeah, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm excited because I think he's going to make a great third base coach, but you, know, you look at that Gwinnett roster and you see <laughs> – the the record they had, you go, oh man, don't know if Tuyasa Sopa is a great managerial candidate in the future. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you can't really blame well and, and, those guys at that level for results. Well, and the inconsistency of their of uh, their pitching staff, because as much inconsistency as the Braves had at the big league level, they had just as much at the triple A level. So he was, he was having to deal with all of that too. But yeah, that being said, I think he's a great coach native of Bellevue, Washington. Uh, and uh, Goodwin is the first base coach coming over from, uh, from the minor league system as basically a guy who just kind of bounced around and, was an instructor in the organization. Uh, two previous stints as a major league first base coach with the Red Sox uh, and the Mets. Won a World Series with Boston in 18. Trying to figure out who the Braves' previous bullpen coach was because I it thought it was Eddie, Eddie Perez. Yeah, I thought it was Eddie Perez too. But um, I'm pretty sure it was. On November 29th, Sports Illustrated reported Braves lose another coach as bullpen coach Drew French moves to Baltimore as pitching coach. I have never heard of Drew French. Supposedly joined Atlanta as bullpen coach in December of 2020. So he spent the 21, the last three seasons supposedly, with the Braves in that position. Again, I've never heard of Drew French, but I cannot find where Eddie Perez He's coaching is. with the Braves. Now, I don't know what he's coaching, but he is coaching with the Braves. Okay, well, good. 
I, I thought and has he, since 07. I thought he, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I don't know where, I don't know who Drew French is. I do but, not know who Drew French is, but he is, he's no longer our concern. <laughs> he's, he is now in Baltimore. I Good mean, for we, him. We don't, we don't have to know who he is now, I don't guess. But I, I thought. So in 16, Perez was the first base coach. I don't remember that. Mark Bowen, June 11, 2016, Braves draft first base coach Perez's son in 36th round. So look, man, I don't know. I just know that Eddie Perez is on the staff. I don't know where, I don't know what he's doing, but he's right. on the staff. But Tom and, Goodwin presumably replaces Eric Young as first base coach, who went to join Ron Washington with the, with the Angels. So it's interesting. Also, Eddie in, Perez is the major league coach. <laughs> okay. He's the, the, the major league, whatever the heck that means, that's what he does. He's the major league coach. Okay. Um, also in the blue box, um, <laughs> bench coach Walt Weiss will serve as infield coach, taking over the duties vacated by Wash. As we suspect. All right. Well, there you go. Those are your top stories of the day. We've got John Parado coming up and we'll talk to him about Shohei Otani and the dominoes that have fallen since and are have yet to fall. So stick around. Main Street Sports Today is presented by Tennessee Bond & Joint. We'll be back in a moment. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. 
Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton here on this Monday Mirror as we look back at the weekend in sports. And the biggest news in all of baseball and maybe in all of sports uh, over the weekend was the signing of Shohei Otani to the Los Angeles Dodgers for the richest contract in sports history, 10 years, $700 million. Million. And boy, what a what a contract that is. That being said, once Shohei signed, everybody else kind of got going a little bit. And there are still some big names out there that I think will fall here very shortly now that Shohei is off the table. Uh, so let's talk about it. And we bring in Sports Kita's John Parado to do that. John, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Good to see you as well, John. So I assume that the Pirates, your Pirates, were never in the running for Otani? Uh, the, the best I could ascertain, the, the answer was no. I, I don't have that for 100% certainty, but I would have it with 99.999% certainty. <laughs> I didn't figure they were. I just thought that would be a nice little icebreaker I, there. But um, I thought that Cash the Brave sent them might have gone a long way. Yeah, yeah I, it I was a little good help. <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they haven't spent seven hundred seven hundred million total on over the last eight or nine years in payroll, let alone for one player. I, <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, and understandably so. I mean, what do you think about the Dodgers spending seven hundred million for for a guy? A two-way player who we don't know when or worst-case scenario if he's going to be able to pitch. Well, they have the money to do it, certainly. They're one of the richest franchises in all professional sports. Uh, 700 was a little surprising. I think everybody knew he was going to break the major league record, which was $426 million that Mike Trout got from the Angels. But I don't think... Uh, I don't think too many people thought 700. I thought he would get 500,000, 500 million, I should say, for 10 years, or maybe even $600 million. But I'm quite surprised they went all the way to $700 million. But I will give a veteran pitcher credit for this. Rich Hill, who was with the Pirates earlier this year, and of course, I'm based in Pittsburgh. I was talking to Rich about this like at midseason. I said, what do you think he's going to get? He goes, I really think it's going to end up at $700 million. So he was right on the money with that. I thought he was a little bit high, and uh, but, boy, he was right. Where did he come up with that number? Where did the Dodgers come up with that number? I mean, uh, the best guess, and you know, they've kept kept such a lid on the, all the negotiations that, that really any information – 
any information is pretty much speculative, including that he was supposedly on a flight from Orange County to Toronto on Friday, which turned out not to be true. My best guess from trying to read between the lines and read the tea leaves is Toronto made him a really big offer, at least 600, maybe more than that. And the Dodgers had to beat that. And uh, they did it $700 million. But if they're paying him $700 million, and the Dodgers are a smart organization, they weren't going to bid against themselves, I have to believe he had an offer of 600 or 650 on the table for them to go that high. Yeah. And the Dodgers have now signed Joe Kelly to a one-year deal for $8 million, which pales in comparison. <laughs> Yeah. Poor, poor Joe Kelly. And, and Joe's got to give up his number, too, 17. He can't wear that anymore. He's got to give it up to Otani. So he gets $692 million less, and he's and got to lose his, his number. That ain't right. I don't no. know. If I'm Joe Kelly, there's no way I'm signing with the Dodgers. <laughs> um, that's unfortunate. And that that's crazy on a number of fronts, really. But. John, Dodgers not bidding against themselves aside, I mean, a, a number of people have, are saying, well, it was always going to be the Dodgers. I mean, do you feel like that was the case? I mean, that they were just ultimately going to, was it a come see us last type situation and they were going to do whatever it took to get him? You know, it was always the thought for over a year that Otani was going up with the Dodgers. You know, they, they didn't really do much last offseason. They didn't sign any big-time free agents. They didn't make any trades for big-money players. And the thought around baseball was they're saving up their money to make a big run for Otani. So it, it's not surprising that they signed him. But I thought the Angels – might come in at the last minute and try to keep him. And I, I, I saw the Angels in Cleveland last uh, May. And in talking to the Angel people, there were a lot of people that thought Otani was very comfortable there. He basically calls his own shots. He basically set his own schedule when he was going to pitch, when he was going to DH, what days he were going to be off. And there were some players. And again, he's so secretive. The players didn't want to talk on the record about this. But they, they thought that maybe he would want to stay there for a comfort level. And the fact that he already knew that he'd be able to to have to do things his own way in, in Anaheim. It's interesting because you, you mentioned something that's very important, not this coming year, but in, in future years. You know, Otani only pitched every six days and typically. And so everybody else kind of had to get on that schedule. And I'm curious how much of an impact that's going to have. And for a guy who only pitched every six days to now be on his second arm surgery, it seems like a reach for 10 years. And that's why, yeah, I, I and the 700 million is what really surprises me. Because, like you said, if he doesn't come back as well from this surgery as he did his previous surgery, then you're paying a, a one a one way player seventy million dollars a year. And the allure of Otani is that he's a great hitter and a great pitcher, and you're paying him to do both. 
Now, Otani is a good athlete. A lot of people say, well, he's just a designated hitter. Well, the Angels used him at DH because they didn't want to play him in the outfield on days that he wasn't pitching. He's a very good defensive outfielder. He had that reputation in Japan. So I think he would be an above average right fielder. But still, I, to me, it is, I agree with you, it's a big gamble to pay this much money to somebody that you don't know if he's going to be compromised or not as a pitcher once he, he returns from this surgery, which won't be until 2025. And, and then again, if he does pitch every six days, you've got four other pitchers. How does that even, you know, somebody's going to be on extra rest every every time he goes out? It just it just seems like a really difficult. Or somebody's going to be on short rest every time he goes out. What, something's going to happen, and it's going to affect the rest of your pitching staff. And I don't know. I, I'm, I've, I've been curious if that's what Dave Roberts was worried about, and that's why he kept trying to leak stuff. <laughs> trying to screw it up. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I, I will say. I will say this. The Angels accommodated him, like you said, Chris, with a, with a six-man rotation. And in today's baseball, there are, there are very few teams that have five legitimate starting pitchers. So I think you're really stretching it, even the Dodgers, with all the money they have, to think you can come up with six legitimate big league starting pitchers. And with the issues that they've had with their pitching rotation, Walker mm -hmm. Mueller, um, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw, they're apparently going after Tyler Glass now, who's also hurt all the time. Who's that? Glass now. Oh, all so the I, time. I mean, it would almost seem, John, on the field as if that money would have been better spent on a few people. You know, you're right, Mo. And I mean, he's a great player. There's no doubt. And I, I think. There's been nobody else really like him. You can say Babe Ruth, but but he's been even better than Babe Ruth when it comes to being able to do both at a high level. You know, I know a lot of it is advertising, sale, you know, ticket sales, things like that, that he is going to generate, and that'll help pay for the contract too. But when you look at the Dodgers last year, I mean, they, they barely had enough starting pitching to get through the season. They relied on a lot of young kids, a lot of rookies. And you do wonder if they didn't take that money and spend it on, say, like the Japanese pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto and maybe like Blake Snell or, or somebody like that. It, it, maybe they'd have been better off getting two frontline starting pitchers and maybe like a number four or five starter and, and really filled their holes that way more than where they already have one of the most powerful offenses in baseball. I don't really know if they need him as much as other teams need him to, to put that bat in the middle of the lineup. John Prado joining us here on Main Street Sports today. And, John, you just mentioned some of the names that wanted to talk about. Yamamoto, uh, Blake Snell. Of course, we talked uh, Tyler Glass now as far as, I guess, where he fits in that in that role um you know how does this affect comp numbers does it affect comp numbers because he's a two-way player or and the, the numbers just so high it's insane uh, you know so there, there are a lot of guys out there jordan montgomery the how does this affect you know the rest of the free agent period well, you know, that's a great question, and, and a lot of people around baseball, and I was there in Nashville last week for the winter meetings, were, were wondering the same thing. And I, I guess maybe the, the thing is, 
there's really no comparable to Otani. So I don't know if if I'm an agent, if I can go, if I'm Jordan Montgomery's agent as much as I want to and want to try to get him a a big con a really big yeah. contract. I don't know if I can say, well, hey, he's as good, you know, he's almost as good as pitcher as Shohei. So I want four or five hundred million. I just think it's hard to, to draw any kind of comp to him. So I, I, I sort of suspect, and I, I don't know this for sure. We're, we're going to find out here over the next few months. I want to say it's going to be an outlier that is just far and above any other contract because his uh, ability to star on both sides of, of the ball are so above everyone else's that I think this contract will be an outlier. And I, I don't think that all of a sudden more guys will be getting five or $600 million contracts. Maybe Juan Soto when he becomes a free agent at the end of the year, but it's just really, really hard to draw a, a true comparison to Otani. You almost have to take him in a vacuum because of his unique yes. situation relative to everybody else's, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, there really is nobody you can compare him to. I mean, the, the only real comp is Babe Ruth, and even Babe Ruth only was a, was a full-time pitcher and full-time outfielder for only two seasons. I mean, a lot of people – you know, talk about Otani is, is the next Babe Ruth, but in a lot of ways he surpassed Babe Ruth as far as what he has done for as long a period of time as he's done it. Now, when you look at the career numbers, obviously Ruth has had the better career to this point, but when you're looking at a two-way, if you're just taking the years that they were both two-way players, Otani has been better than Babe Ruth. John, you mentioned Juan Soto, and – doesn't he and don't the Padres have to be a little bit of a cautionary tale for most of the other teams in Major League Baseball? I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are going to be in a situation where they are forced to trade Otani because they can't meet payroll. But for the most part, you you really kind of have to be careful not to get overextended just because you don't know what's going to happen with TV contracts and with advertising and that kind of thing. When you've yeah, got it, so many other, Valley. yeah, when you've got so many other things contributing to your bottom line, I and mean, that's got to be embarrassing for the Padres, doesn't it, to even be in that position? It is, and you know, I mean, the the word leaked out late in the season that they had to borrow $500 million to make payroll for the last month of the season. And that's not good. I don't care what business you're in, whether it's baseball or, or any, any line or of business. Yeah. Well, no, but none of us make 500 million combined. So I, I doubt if that matter, excuse me, matters too much, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was a unique circumstance in San Diego with Peter Seidler as the owner. Peter had had cancer three times. He knew that he probably wasn't long for this world. And sadly, about a month and a half ago, he passed away. Mm -hmm. And his point was, I want to bring a championship to San Diego, and I don't care if I bankrupt myself because, frankly, I'm not going to be here that much longer anyway. And now that Peter's it gone, it's somebody have, else's problem. Yeah, it's somebody else's problem. And all of a sudden, the funds are no longer unlimited. And that's why you see Juan Soto traded. I, I mean, uh, they just had to, they had to unload some players. Uh, 
you know, they're not even trying to sign Blake Snell back, and he just won the Cy Young Award this past season. They have a couple other starting pitchers, and Seth Lugo and Michael Waka, who they didn't exercise options on either one of those players, even though they weren't even that expensive, the options, because they're trying to save some money and get the payroll down, and they still have two big, big contracts in Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. So, uh, you know, I, I, I give Peter Seidler a lot of credit for trying to win there, but boy, he unfortunately, when he passed, he left the Padres in, in some pretty uh, tough financial straits. Well, and again, the biggest issue that they have is they don't have a television contract. Yes. And so, and, and, and now with Bally Sports and the situation it's in, it feels like half the league is going to be potentially in this same boat very soon. We don't know it, what the future holds. Yeah. yeah, we just don't know. It is. And, you know, talking to general managers around the leagues, especially the ones uh, whose situations, like you said, tied in with ballet sports and diamond sports and the, you know, and all the uncertainty, they, they are watching their payroll a little bit. They have to because they don't know for sure how much TV money is going to come in this year. They, they can estimate and they can guess and they can hope, but there is no certainty for any, a lot of these teams in that situation, you're looking almost half of the 30 big league teams don't know what their television money is going to be in 2024. So it certainly had an effect. And I think people say, well, why has the free agent market been slow? Why haven't a lot more big names beside Juan Soto been traded? And I think that's a lot of it because so many teams just don't know for sure how much money they can spend. There you go. Uh, that said, do, do you feel like Everybody was kind of waiting on Otani to begin with the the normal business of a baseball offseason, or do you think it's still going to continue to be slow as everybody tries to figure their situation out? You know, you, you would think that that kind of breaks the logjam now because there were five or six teams who legitimately had hopes of getting Otani, and now that, that those teams that didn't get him know that he's elsewhere – now they have money to spend on other players. So you would think, and usually a lot of times you see here in this period between now and the start of the holidays, these next two weeks, a lot of teams like, and agents like to try to get their business done now so they can take some time off at the holiday season for 10 days or so. So I would think that some of these uh, free agents like Cody Bellinger would be the first guy that comes to mind because he's probably the best hitter left on the free agent market. Now, I would think now he would start to get more solid, more, uh, I don't want to say substantial is not the right word, but teams hadn't put a, a bid in on him because they were waiting to see if they were going to get Otani or not. Now that they know they're not getting Otani, now they know what they can afford and what they can offer to Cody Bellinger. So seemingly he would be next in line as far as the whole domino thing, especially with Juan Soto also being traded. It's going to be a lot of fun. Who gets signed next? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Bellinger. I'm going to stick with Bellinger. I think the Cubs would love to bring him back. The Giants want him. Uh, you know, the Yankees were interested, but now that they've got Soto and Alex Verdugo, they're probably out of the running. 
but you know, he could fit a lot of teams. He's, he's had a really great comeback season this year with the Cubs and he's put himself in position to, to get a big contract. And there aren't a whole lot of impact hitters out there on the free agency market this winter. So I would think that, uh, he's, he, the action is surely heated up on him here in the last few days. John, what are our Braves going to do? We Dylan Cease was supposed to be a Brave a week ago. Well, I still think it makes a lot of sense. They have the, the prospects and young players that they can trade to the White Sox for Dylan Cease. Uh, Dylan's a Georgia boy, and we know how much uh, the Braves, how much success they've had with players from the state of Georgia in the South itself for so many years. It just seems like the perfect fit. I'm, you know, I, I really believe that that's where Dylan Cease is going to wind up. I mean, like I said, the Braves, the Braves can make the White Sox a really good offer to really tempt them with some good young players. And I'm sure Dylan Cease, uh, though he has no say over where he will go at this point in his career, I would think the Braves would also think if we trade for Dylan Cease, him being a, him being a Georgian, that we probably have a pretty good chance of signing him for the long term than we would maybe some other pitchers. Yeah, you know, and I think the Braves have been trading in good faith with the White Sox for about a month now, <laughs> giving you know giving them quite a bit you know here and there. Well, sometimes a lot of these things just take time, and you know the White Sox. Mm -hmm. This is their best trade chip, unless they trade Luis Robert, their center fielder, and I don't think they're going to trade him because he's still young enough to rebuild around. So I think the White Sox know this is the one guy that can get them the most good young players to help a rebuild and return. So they're going to be deliberate. They're going to, you know, they're going to shop offers between teams and they get exactly what they want. So I think it's just a matter of time. But but again, it just makes all the sense in the world for me that the Braves end up acquiring him. The Braves need another top flight starting pitcher, and the White Sox need some good young players. So uh, both sides have what, what each other needs to make a deal. John Parado of Sports Kita. Appreciate your time as always, man. Looking forward to more baseball down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. It was good talking with you again. You too, John. Thanks. We'll take a break. When we come back, Monstars. Stick around. Main Street Sports Stage presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint is back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. 
A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in. Time now to take a look at the biggest stars from the weekend in sports. It is the Monstars. And so now we start. And Justin, will you be joining us? Yes, sir. I got a couple got a couple on the on my mind here. All right, all right. We'll start. Mo, go ahead. Yeah, you can start with Justin since he wasn't. He's got last some, week. Yeah, let's let I got go ahead. To go ahead. So we rank. Is it ranked like my first? No, it's just whoever. Well, I'll go ahead and get you know the elephant in the room. Uh, I think that the officiating crew of the Chiefs game was fantastic. I don't know if that's like is that a controversial thing to say or? It it would be controversial in Kansas City. It would be controversial in Kansas City. It would probably get you drummed off the air in Kansas City. And (laughs) and and it's probably a good thing that we don't have Heather Williams as a standing guest at this point. (laughs) Exactly. Call me yeah. a hater, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. I you can call me that. Uh, maybe I am, but I, I'm. I just like, I like the way that they executed calls. None in particular, but none in particular. Listen, I am. All right. Do you want me to go now? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> in light of Justin's first monster, I'm gonna go with Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. 25 of 43 for 271 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and one gigantic snap. <laughs> and the Chiefs 20 to 17 yeah, lost to Buffalo. All right. Oh I my remember. goodness. He was snapping he, for a long time. He he snapped for a long time. I was I was impressed. Really, that was the bit that was the best part. It wasn't the, the what happened during the game wasn't even that great. It was, it was afterwards. That that was that was I mean, Bobby Cox would be would be it, yes. impressed. Yes. Okay. Oh, man, mine, we're going to go back to a name that our friends at Summit would just soon forget. 
former Knox Central standout and Mr. Football <sighs> finalist. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop, stop. He who doesn't watch Army Navy. I know. It was worth it. He who doesn't watch. I didn't. I said I never watched it. I did watch it, and it was worth it. It was worth watching. And let me tell you why I watched it. Because I wanted to see guys who we had seen, you know, we've, we've seen some guys, and I was hoping to see some, some players that we recognized. We did not see a whole lot of those guys, unfortunately. But I did recognize Caleb Fortner's name. Cause yeah, they so did I. Because they called it a lot, by the way. <laughs> this one, 10 times for tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. You, you got to mark them off your list. I apologize. No, you don't. <laughs> No, but yes, I watched it. It was fun, and I'll tell you. Are you not going to mention the forty-four yard scoop and score for the win? Absolutely. Okay. But how about eleven? We got eleven. Seventeen, eleven in the last game of the year. Can't hold anything back now, Brent. Yeah, it's the last game of the year. Good lord. Caleb Fortner wins the game for Army. It's just man. Former Knox Central standout, and again, our friends at Summit would just soon forget his name. But yeah, yeah, you mean <laughs> okay. So, so y'all are in the business of of winning friends and influencing people. <laughs> Justin, Justin's pissing Heather off. You're pissing Summit off. <laughs> hey, keep it up though, because I look good. Oh, you're looking I, good right now. Look at this. We're not bitter though. We're not bitter people. Um, no. No, no, Justin. I'm gonna go with uh, Zach Wilson. I I I've always dude was great. Him. He first time he, all year he's thrown over 300 yards, 301. Um, had two touchdowns, 75% completion rating. That's it. What's up, that haters? Who would have thought? Not many. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, 27 for 36. That's uh, that's good in the NFL. That is good in the NFL. You'll okay. take it. So my second monster goes to Utah's Alyssa Peely. See, 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 you took mine. Now I got to go find the third one. We're even. We're even. <laughs> Alyssa Peely shot 15 of 23 from the floor, three of six from behind the arc, scored a career high 37 points for Utah. How good was she, man? In their 78-69 loss to top-ranked South Carolina yesterday. She was so good. That's tough. 37 on a lot. But again, she walked into the youth's locker room and said, I didn't lose. Y'all lost. Yeah. Well, I'll stick in women's basketball then. And we'll go with Lauren Betts of UCLA, who against Florida State, they drubbed the 20th-ranked Knowles. She went for 22 points, 18 boards, four blocks. So that's got to give her some love against a ranked opponent. 22 and 18 is a good day, my friends. Lauren Betts of UCLA. Justin, you got one more? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. Let's act like it's tomorrow. Um, okay. What a game Tyreek Hill had, you know? He's going to go <laughs> thousand yards tonight. With, I mean, he's just like, they're going to snap it, he's going to continually run, and then they're just going to throw it and then turn it around again. What a good game he's going to have. Good for him, right? <laughs> Justin apparently found Mostradamus' crystal ball. 
him. He is, he is reverse jinxing this all day. Well, I mean, exactly. it, it, it's tough. It's tough to think that he's not going to be right come this you know, time. Tomorrow. It really is. So it's like you can hope it. you can hope that we're gonna have people that are gonna uh, stop him, but then when you you just don't look at the roster, and then you can just think that. Because Christian Bolton's had a great year. Yeah, I don't want to get started, but <laughs> what a good game he had last night or tonight. In keeping with my monsters and losing efforts, Demari and Polk of Columbia Central Friday night scored 25 points, knocked down seven threes as the Lions fell 55-49. Summit. Seven threes. Central hit ten threes in the loss. Tough night. That is tough. You know, it's funny because I was just thinking that I was just thinking the other day that one of our top five should be greatest individual performances and losses. That would be good. So you have it's it's like it's this is a sign. Right, yeah, that this yeah, yeah. this is what we should do. This is what we should do. Like Tomorrow's top five will be greatest individual performances in losses. I've got one right off the top of my <laughs> so, head. This will be fun. Yeah, this, this will be fun. Um, I'm gonna go. Boy, what a great weekend it was for the Buffaloes of Colorado, both in recruiting and on the hardwood. Much in part thanks to Munich, Germany's Tristan da Silva who was perfect from the free throw line, had 22 points, 10 boards, and was just one assist away from the triple-double in a 90-63 to win over 15th-ranked Miami. So, Tristan Da Silva, you are my third and final monster. Great, great ball game for that young man. I got to mention this guy real quick. Who's that? Um, Dallas Cowboys kicker Brandon Aubrey. What a Birmingham Stallion. Who has made 27 straight field goals, apparently, including a 60-yarder. And a 59-yarder. Last night. First time it's ever happened in history. First time ever. So, I mean, if you can't make it in Major League Soccer, don't worry. There's a place for you in the National Football League. But go to Birmingham first, where you can hone your skills as a stallion. There's a there's a level. It's just amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, had never played football in his life until he played for the Birmingham Stallions. Had never played football. That's insane, absurd, ridiculous, ludicrous, <laughs> and all of the other adjectives that we can think of. My favorite thing about him is when he kicks it, like he doesn't look like he, he's like, I don't know. I'm just out here doing this. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> uh, boy, I sure, I sure do wish I could be playing major league soccer, probably. <laughs> but is. instead I'm here. Yeah. Kicking 60 yarders for America's team. He's like, is this bar? Is this a far kick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that is. Oh, like everybody's so excited. And he's like, why is everybody so excited? Yeah. I just, I'm supposed you know, to do this, this job. Right? I mean, shoot, I could have been, been done this. You know? Oh, goodness. Well, let's continue talking about the National Football League on the other side of a quick break because Terry McCormick is standing by, so we'll get to him in just a moment. Stick with us. <laughs> ¶¶ 
Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back in Main oh. Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Time now for Terry McCormick's Daily Titans Report, powered by Zen Sports. What's up, Terry? Guys, uh, we're going to go a little different avenue. I know the Titans have a game tonight in Miami, but certainly would be remiss if we did not uh, remember Titans legend Frank Wycheck and all the contributions that he made here uh, not only as a player, but also as a broadcaster and as a friend to media in terms of being one of the real leaders in that organization in terms of players who uh, laid the groundwork for the acceptance of this franchise here. I mean, uh, Mo, I know you probably recall this, and I'm sure, Chris, you do too. When this team first came here, they weren't exactly welcomed with open arms. Hey, was it was a there was a referendum regarding the stadium. It passed by uh, not an overwhelming margin. And then there were some PR missteps and all the things that, you know, kind of came with the year at Memphis, the year at Vanderbilt. But uh, the guys in that locker room, whether it be Wycheck or Steve McNair, Eddie George, Chris Sanders, Derek Mason, Neil O'Donnell, the, the, Craig Hentrick, the list goes on and on and on. Quality individuals who helped win over the people of Nashville, not only with their play on the field, but with their work in the community and becoming a part of this city, so much so that a lot of them wound up making their permanent homes here long after their playing careers were done. And certainly, Frank Wycheck was near the top of that list in terms of popular players and guys who helped to uh, cement this franchise uh, and, and help it take root here in Nashville after it came from Houston. Uh, I think one of the things that helped endear Frank to fans, he was kind of an everyman, kind of a blue-collar guy, even though he was a heck of a tight end and a three-time pro bowler. Uh, just to talk to him, he was just a regular guy, uh, you know, somebody that you could carry on a conversation with on other topics besides football, for sure. And I think it probably helped Frank, too, in his legacy that once his playing career was done, he went to – the morning show on 104.5 The Zone for many years with Mark Howard and Kevin Ingram, and then also was Mike Keith's color analyst for a decade or so uh, on the Titans radio broadcast. And I think that that sort of endeared him to fans in a way that his legacy was kind of made on two different fronts, first as a player and then as a broadcaster. And I think a lot of people, everybody that knew Frank really liked him, and I think that a lot of people that didn't know Frank liked him and felt like they knew him just because of his personality and his work. No doubt. We talked about that a little earlier in the show, but but absolutely 100% accurate. Yeah, I mean, couldn't say it any better. I, mean, I, think, I think Terry really touched on the totality of 
you know, Frank Wycheck as a, as a Titan and post Titan as well. So well said, Terry. Thank you. Thanks for having me and let me talk on that. Let's talk a little bit about the game before we, uh, you know, talk about Zen sports here. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, do the Titans yeah. have a prayer? <laughs> I mean, it would take it would take two two or three really big things happening. One, it would take them owning the time of possession, running Derrick Henry, Henry and Tajay Spears into the ground, if you will, you know, and owning the time of possession, 33, 34 minutes. It would take Will Levis making some timely throws to these receivers, uh, you know, to keep drives moving and to score points when they get in the red zone. And then it would take them winning the turnover battle somehow on defense despite being without Jeffrey Simmons and Christian Fulton tonight. So certainly an uphill battle for the Titans, who I believe are a 13-point underdog down in Miami. If there's anything that Miami does, it's beat teams with losing records. So I don't think the Titans have much of a chance, to be honest with you. I just don't. Well, if you're a Titans fan, you probably need to be – if you don't think they're going to win, there is a second Monday night game on tonight, and it's the Packers at the Giants. And if you're a Titans fan and you're wanting them to uh, improve their draft stock, you need to be pulling hard for the New York Giants in, the, in their underdog role against the Pack. Because uh, if the Giants win and the Titans lose, um, then the Titans would pick fifth as it stands right now in next spring's draft. And that would put them certainly in range for a left tackle that they sorely need or Marvin Harrison Jr. So, you know, you gotta you know you gotta think too that there are some quarterback needy teams that would be picking ahead of them and behind them. It's not out of the question that one of those teams would want to come up and allow the Titans to move back and pick up some draft capital, which they also need. So you know there is a silver lining to all this, and it come, but it won't come until next spring. Yeah, silver lining is is out there, but like you said, it's it's a long way from now. And you know, I agree with you that the Titans need to run the football and they need to be successful doing so. But you know, this offense that Miami has is already dynamic enough, and like you said, without Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, without Christian Fulton, it, it it may not matter how long the Titans have the football. No, it may not. But you know, the, but if you limit them to the number of possessions, we I think we talked on Friday how that you know the Dolphins are capable of you know two play drives that cover seventy five yards with all of their explosiveness. But if you don't run, if you don't run the football, if you don't move the chains, and you don't win time of possession, and you give them, say, three extra drives with the football, you're going to get buried, sure enough. So oh, there's no doubt. So in order to keep it close and have a chance to hang in, I think they really do need to win the time of possession tonight. I, I don't, I, I don't foresee it, but as Justin so, not, so noted here. This is just the type of game that Mike Vrabel wins. <laughs> it really is. Well, I will. He's certainly going to be challenged to win it. There's no question there. I mean, I, I will certainly tune in to see how he does it. <laughs> there you so, go. There we go. Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. 
All right, let's talk about Zen Sports. You've been hearing me talk about Zen Sports, the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Wong. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy in Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama. So other guy in Wham had pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage. All backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. When you're on the go, you deserve service that's fast, friendly, and clean. You know what else you deserve? All the perks to go with it. At Fast Stop Markets, you can have both. Give yourself an upgrade. Enroll in Fast Stop Perks. Trust us. You'll be shocked at how fast the perks start rolling out. As a loyal Fast Stop customer, you'll feel like an A-list celebrity every time you walk through our doors. You can now shop and earn every time you visit our stores. Enroll in the Fast Stop Perks loyalty program and start earning points that you can spend like cash on fuel, food, and more. You can also earn great freebies, join reward clubs, and most importantly, use your points to get money off at the pump. It all happens at checkout with our friendly staff. Just be sure to use your Fast Stop Perks card or app every time you purchase. You want perks too, don't you? Enroll today and start earning the perks you deserve. Visit your local Fast Stop markets or go to FastStopPerks.com to start earning your perks today. 
Fast Stop Markets, keeping you moving. <laughs> Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yamo Patton here on this Monday. Got a lot to react to in the world of the National Football League. And since we're coming out of talking a little bit about the Titans and their game tonight, we talked about it earlier. Patrick Mahomes was big mad last night. Uh, <laughs> That's one way to put it. And and, and look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was the right call. I think it's a weird call. But yes. The right call. I, I, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that I think that's a perfect explanation. I think. I heard that offensive offsides has been called twice this year. That was the second time. In the I'm NFL. surprised it was twice. Well, it's just it's a really unusual call. But, but now, now I don't know if it's only been called twice because it's only happened twice. Because I mean, if you're a receiver, I mean, you see it at every level from junior high up. You look out at the line judge or the side judge to see where you are and they'll tell you come up, come back, whatever, and then they'll give you the thumbs up when you are good. Typically And Tony never did that. The only and, and one of the reasons that he didn't, one, he knew where the line he knew what what yard line the line of scrimmage was on. And he was on it. Unfortunately, his center brought the ball back instead of up. And when you do that, the neutral zone moves. And so, okay, so, so, he, so he didn't know. He thought he knew. And well, that's where that trust but verify comes from. So the line of scrimmage was the 44, I believe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was yard inside the five, mm-hmm. inside the five yard marker. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the line all the way across the field, but he was on the yard line. You just got to be careful not to get into the neutral zone, which is, of course, where the football is, and that's where you have to – and he was looking at the ball. You, look, you you watch his head. He was looking at the ball the entire time, never asked the official. Of course, one of the reasons he didn't ask for the official is because he was he was basically in the middle of the field. You know, typically when you're a receiver, you're not far away from that line judge or that side judge, or, you know, that, the head linesman or the line judge and say, hey, am I good? He was a long way away. So I, I – Here's the thing. The simple thing is line up on the hip of the next of the guy next to you. Well, here's the thing though. Kadarius Tony does not have a whole lot of margin for error. No. Because this is not his first mistake. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Blunder. <laughs> Mental error. <laughs> All of those are good. Yes. <laughs> this was not his first. <laughs> and so when you are on that edge, it would behoove you to take all the steps that you can take to protect yourself from another sure. mistake, blunder, mental error. Oh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, no, I, I agree with you completely. I trust me. I, I, I just it kind of reminds me of a time that I was on the sideline and I was standing at the dotted line and the official told me to get back. And I was like, but I'm behind the line. He said, we need to be a foot behind it. I was like, well, then why is the line here? If this ain't the line. Then why? why, Yeah. 
Let's, let's move the line before we move me. Yeah. Like, this is my line. This, this is the line I'm behind. <laughs> and so that's kind now, of, I mean, if you're going to come measure a foot, then come on. But, but that, and I think that's kind of where Tony was at the time. But, but again, and, and in the NFL, they do, they try to cheat as they want to be as close to the line of scrimmage as possible because it's, you know, that forces the defensive backs to kind of play a, a little bit farther back. He didn't even have that issue. Like there was nobody even covering him at the line of scrimmage. It's like it, there are zero excuses for Kadarius Tony to have been standing where he was standing. And yet, <laughs> and yet here he is. And yeah, yeah. So and, nuts. And obviously, adding insult to injury was they scored. That he, he scored. <laughs> he scored. Yeah, of all the of all the things on on Travis Kelsey's tribute to Frank Wachek. And perfect passer rating. That's something we had not mentioned to this point. Frank Rochick's perfect passer rating in the NFL. <laughs> well, that one that one was not a pass either. That was a lateral, even more so than yeah, Frank's. But yeah, I mean, it was it's tough. And and I think I think Mahomes was big mad at the officials for calling it, but I think. He was also big bad at Tony for Even creating yeah. for creating the situation on, on top of his other mistakes, blunders, mental errors. Yeah. So it was bad. And now all of a sudden Kansas City is in a tough spot postseason standpoint. How important was Tyreek Hill to that offense? More important than they realized at the time. Clearly. I mean, this is this is Aaron Rodgers slash Packers 2.0. Right down to Valdez Scantling. Literally. <laughs> being on both rosters. Yeah, being on the roster. It's it's gonna get worse. Because See, Kadarius Tony was supposed to be the guy who took that role, right? Much of much, Tyreek Hill. Yes, like he's. Oh, oh, really? He's supposed to be the the speed guy, the the guy who can kind of slash play play, you know, the Debo Samuel Tyreek Hill role. Much like uh, AJ Brown <laughs> was supposed to be replaced by Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. Well. NFL GMs are finding out that you can't replace guys of that caliber with a rookie out of the draft. Well, not just a rookie out of the draft, but I mean, Kadarius Tony and Tyreek Hill. Look, I am not going to slander Kadarius Tony's collegiate career because he absolutely was the thorn in. Vols sides for. I'm not, I'm not slandering his but, collegiate career. I'm just saying that putting him on a level with Tyreek Hill is insulting to Tyreek Hill. Well, and the same with Traylon Burks with AJ Brown. That's what I'm saying, though. They thought that they could get a guy who had a similar skill set and be capable of giving you similar results without paying guys. Mm-hmm. That needed to get paid, mm-hmm. and 
that doesn't work out more times than not. Sometimes you just got to pay the man. <laughs> yes, Andy. <laughs> just call the man. Just call the man. <laughs> yep. Call him and pay him. Yes. Just call him, pay him, and that's and that's that's how it is. And the Chiefs are finding that out. The Chiefs are finding that out. They are not a great football team right now. They're barely even a good football team right now. Because here's the thing: the Bills are not good. <laughs> so there's but, that. But the Bills got Stephon Diggs. Exactly. And the Chiefs do not. Are the Eagles good enough for another Super Bowl run after last night's debacle? I think last night was more. <clears throat> this pains me to say this. I think last night was more the Cowboys than it was the Eagles. My Cowboys are looking good. Your Cowboys? The ones I picked to win the Super Bowl. My Cowboys pick is looking really good right now. Them, of course, they got to go really, through the 49ers. I still think you got to go through the 49ers. I still think on any given Sunday, you throw the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the 49ers in a bag, drag any two of them out to play each other, and any of them can beat any other one on any given Sunday. Can the Eagles beat either of them with Jalen Hurts in this situation? He's hurt. He's not injured, but he's hurt. And I don't know, remember who it was who said that Marcus Murray. David Carr. David Carr. Is he right? Do they need to take him off the field and get him right before they screw this up? How much is it going to cost you taking him off the field? Because, I mean, is 80% of Jalen Hurts better than 100% of Marcus Murray? Now or in the playoffs? Because I would rather have 100% of Marcus Mariota for two weeks and then have 100% of Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. Because here's the thing. If you're not the number one seed, you got to win the same number of games no matter what, right? But where you got to win them, though? And they're going to – I mean, you might have to travel in the conference championship. Well, no, I mean, if if they – because you got if they are not the number one seed, they're probably going to be a wild card because Dallas is probably going to win the East. That's true. They'll have to go on the road, but they're probably not going to win the, the East at this point. How far back are they? I think they may be tied. But my my concern is the playoffs. They are tied. They are ten and three. But if you have they played both times yet? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Yes, they have. Split? Uh, I like Cowboys win points? Nope, they beat them 28 23 in November 5th. Okay, so they split. But the Cowboys have the. Do they have the tiebreak? <laughs> so. The Eagles have. They go to Seattle next Monday night. They are at home against the Giants on Christmas. The Giants, Cardinals, and Giants. Why would you not play Marcus Mariota? You can win those games. Maybe they're waiting to get to those games. Maybe so. I mean, just because they haven't doesn't mean they won't. Right. Against that schedule, I think it does make sense. 
to sit hearts the rest of the way. And At least for a week or two, just to see how he, how he heals. Maybe he just needs a week. We don't know. But he's hurt right now. Meanwhile, it's causing, them, it's causing them problems. Meanwhile, the Cowboys go to Buffalo on Sunday. Not ideal. They go to Miami on Christmas Eve. That's a loss. They host Detroit. It's not easy. And then they go to Washington. Heck, you could sit him and lose a game and feel comfortable that you're going to outwin the Cowboys the rest of the way. The Cowboys have three games that are iffy at best. At Buffalo is not easy. No. Miami's not is obviously a tough game. And then, of course, you get Detroit at home. But dang. Which Detroit? Which Detroit do you get? That's, that is the question. But, but <laughs> the, the Eagles Detroit, have... So while they're nine and four and nobody's like, everybody's like, this, this team's not even any good. The Eagles' last three games are against, are against teams. You could put Devontae back there in Wildcat. Yeah, you really could. I mean, seriously, they are just, they, they, these, the Giants are four and eight. They're terrible. Terrible. And you play them twice. Twice. In the last three weeks. What is the NFL schedule of smoking? <laughs> How does that work? Clearly a fan of the Eagles. <laughs> Clearly an Eagles fan. I mean, how do you play any division foe twice? The Titans in did three it three weeks. Remember yeah. the Titans played the Texans like twice in December last year. So weird. I don't know how you explain that. I don't know what sense that makes. I got nothing. Yeah. But anyway, hey, what we do have is mm -hmm. Landon Seacrest. We could talk a little bit about the association and their in-season tournament, the first year of that, and what to look forward to in the coming years, assuming the in-season tournament remains. So stick around. We'll talk to him in just a moment, right after this on Main Street Sports Today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. 
Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customer success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Mo Patton here on this Monday Mirror as we look back at the weekend of sports, including the National Basketball Association's in-season tournament's conclusion with the Los Angeles Lakers winning the inaugural tournament. And Mo, as you said, Michael Jordan never won one of those. So <laughs> clearly, I, I, It was not an original. No, but still, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to talk now, though, with Landon Seacrest of Seaco Sports, who joins us now. Hold up a minute. What's up? This is Belmont University women's Side basketball sideline analyst, right. Landon Seacrest, joining us. So, there. Good afternoon, Landon. What's up, guys? How are you? Doing well. How about you? How's finals? finals? Are we done? Good. I I took a final exam today. I have three more left for the rest of the week. So three more. Yeah. To ace it. Yes. Feeling good. There we go. There we go. All right. All right. As long as you're taking care of business, because I am. I I don't want the former vice mayor coming down on you for not taking care of business. (laughs) And she will. Yeah. (laughs) Landon. I can I can say that I did not watch a single minute of the in-season tournament, so get me up to speed. What was the significance of it? I think it's just a motivational factor for the players just to get them excited to play games in these early months of the season. And for fans like me, it really gives you a reason to watch a game that actually means something other than watching a random Tuesday night game or random Thursday night game, you know, when you have LeBron James arguably playing at his highest level in these tournament games in the semifinals and finals in particular, it really means a lot. And it shows that the players are caring in this first year. And it's, it's really neat to see that they did all of this with the jerseys and the alternative site, bringing the players to Vegas. And it was a great championship game, in my opinion, between the Pacers and the Lakers. Yeah, you know, as a whole, the tournament seemed to be well-received by fans and by players. And as I mentioned on the show Friday, it appeared that players were taking this a little more seriously. Yeah, I believe so. I think that 
especially LeBron James, when there's a trophy on the line, I was expecting him to raise his level of play. But I mean, even Kevin Durant of the Suns, Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers, there were several players that kind of upped their level of play. So you could tell that the first in-season tournament was really serious. Now, now let me ask you, Landon, was it the trophy that prompted them to up their game? Or was it the half million dollars that prompted them to up their game? Well, when you're at LeBron James and nearly or almost already a billionaire, I think that 500000 is an additive. But, you know, adding another trophy that you mentioned in the prelude to this that Michael Jordan doesn't have and the namesake could potentially be the LeBron James trophy now if we're talking the in-season tournament MVP, I think those were motivating factors as well. So... Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have a trophy named after him, and Jordan does at this point. So that would be something that is necessary to, to get back on that level. It's just, it is interesting, though, because this in-season tournament is, you know, the WNBA d- does it, and I think it's interesting. But yeah, that, That's particularly interesting that the NBA is doing something that the WNBA did first. You know, I, I got to feel like that it was, that it was a test run in the WNBA mm-hmm. and to see kind of how it would work. And it feels like Adam Silver likes most of what the in-season tournament did and does, but there are all, there's always room for improvement. What are some things that you're hearing that they like or dislike about the tournament right now? I think definitely the marketing ability of the new courts and the new jerseys, that's always going to be a plus because you'll be able to get those special edition NBA jerseys that were worn in in-season game, and that'll be worth X amount of dollars in the future. But well, and, but they get the Lakers some that they can wear. Exactly. You're exactly right. No conflict on the eyes over a pain to see on their court for someone with hard vision like me. And just seeing the, the players' reaction to the games, and I heard Kevin Garnett mention this theory that maybe this could be something that is a standalone in the future where the all-star game is see the players come out. They're all on the sidelines. They have their own section. They have their cameras, their cell phones, and they're in their best outfits. And that's another marketing thing for the in-season tournament. If it stays in Vegas or if they move it to a different city, I mean, that's just so much marketability. So I think those are things that Adam Silver is definitely going to look at. This guy talking marketing strategies and that kind of thing clearly clearly it is chess and not checkers being played as far as this in-season tournament on the floor aside from the um you know from the intensity of there being a trophy to chase out there you know what what did you see that you liked i really liked the play of tyrese halliburton seeing the new stars and the in the league, I mean, even Tyrese Maxey as well, uh, he deserves a mention. And just the new players in the league that don't get as much attention if they're in a smaller market like an Indiana Pacers team and you have an unconventional style of play, an unconventional jump shot. The in-season tournament provided him a stage for everyone to see how really good he was and although they did lose in the finals, just to see everybody knows Tyrese Halliburton's name now pretty much if you're an NBA fan and you're watching the games. So that's really positive, I think. The in-season tournament is going to give players like that a stage to kind of see that, hey, we're made of this too. So, something like the NCAA tournament does in the uh, college game. I think you can get those players that, hey, he emerged as an in-season tournament star in this year, and he's been 
on a tear ever since. How does the NC, I'm sorry, how does the NBA, how do these teams carry over the momentum that they built in the end season tournament now that they go back to December regular season games that clearly nobody cares about? I think the next thing is finding that motivation in between this and the Christmas games because the Christmas matchups this year are going to be great. But finding the meaning in the games that you're going to be playing, I mean, you look at the Timberwolves that weren't in the finals of the in-season tournament, but they're atop the league in terms of wins right now. You look at the Celtics team that lost earlier than they probably should have in the in-season tournament, so they're going to be motivated. The Oklahoma City Thunder are having a great season as well. There are several teams that are kind of have their own reasons. The Orlando Magic definitely deserve a mention. They're a young team that has really surprised a lot of people this year. So it's going to be interesting to see those teams that are kind of reemerging, and obviously the Lakers are on top right now, and we know they have another motivation going towards those Christmas games and just maximizing the last years of LeBron's career, um, just more motivation than ever for them. But I think there's going to be a lot more teams that are going to be extra now that, hey, we had this stage in the in-season tournament. We maybe didn't perform as we wanted to. Let's get it back together. Let's circle the wagons before the All-Star break, get our season back together, those type of things. Okay, so like I said, I didn't watch any of it. Was this single Elim all the way through, or how did There was initially group stages. Um, It was kind of randomized. I don't know the theory uh, behind groups, but there were four teams in a group, I believe, and you had to uh, win your group, and then you uh, advanced to the knockout stages, and that was the uh, eight teams that advance the knockout stages, you win those games, and you go to the semifinals, you win those games, and you go to the championship. Okay. Were there teams that performed maybe above what their expectations were that, that you could see making a run here now that we get back into regular season play? I think definitely the Knicks are probably that team in the top eight that was there that Although they're a good team in the East, nobody was expecting them to be up there with the Pacers and the Phoenixes and all the Sacramento Kings and those teams that are already, we've already seen what they can do this year so far. The Knicks are kind of that middle of the pack team, but they showed that they can definitely hang in the East and they're going to be a team to watch with the top three teams in the East being probably now Indiana, Milwaukee, and uh, Philadelphia. And then, of course, the Orlando Magic are there as well. You did not mention Boston. And Boston. Forgive me. Okay. Forgive me. I, I just wanted to make sure because, I mean, I, me. I know I don't keep up a lot, but I, I thought they were supposed to be one of the better teams in the East coming into this season. 100%. Okay. All right. Um, Landon Seacrest, you can see him at Seco underscore, underscore sports on Twitter. You can. Joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Before we let you go, we got to ask you your expectations of John Morant ahead of, uh, you know, coming out December 19th. A week from tomorrow. I know, finally. But you going? <laughs> no, I will not be there, but I'll be watching. Okay. Grizzly 6 and 15, 11 games out first. How much of an impact does Ja have on this team without Steven Adams? 
I still think John Moran is going to arrive and be one of the best players in the league just because he's now going to have something to prove on top of that immense talent. And when you look at the Grizzlies, although they don't have a Steven Adams and they're missing some of those pieces from last year's team, I think that they're not going to instantly pick up and become a great team all of a sudden. But Ja's going to get them back on track. You look at Desmond Bain, I believe it was a couple of games ago, he went for about 49. So I think Desmond Bain hasn't missed a beat. So I think putting Ja Moran back into the mix, I think the Grizzlies are going to be they're not going to be fine immediately, but they'll they'll get back into the group for sure. Definitely, I can see them. If Ja gets back and is playing at the level that we know Ja can play at, I think they can squeak into the play-in. I think they've lost too many games now to kind of be a above that team. But if they can sneak into the play-in, this is a team definitely to watch. Now, forgive me because I do not know is – Is Marcus Smart going to play? Is he still out? I believe Marcus Smart is still out. So that would be interesting to see how he pairs with Ja and also Derrick Rose on the team. Just who's the off guard when Ja is on the court because we know he's going to be ball dominant and we know he's going to demand a lot of attention. What can that second guard do? Gotcha. Okay. Well, should be fun. Landon, as always. Great job. We appreciate it, and good luck on the remainder of your finals. Look forward to seeing you on the sidelines of more Belmont women's basketball. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, final segment of the day, we've got talk about the Heisman Trophy. Did the, did, did the voters get it right? We'll tell you our thoughts on the other side. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. 
Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, Chris Yao. Mo Patton, final segment of the day, Mo, as we continue looking back at the weekend in sports, and I don't think we've got enough time to finish up <laughs> everything that we had on the docket, so that's good. More for tomorrow, right? More for tomorrow. Jade Daniels took on the Heisman Trophy. Did voters get it right? That is the, the question. And based on the... Based on the uh, difference in votes, I would say most people would say they got it right. I think they did. I mean, I, I think when you look at the numbers and, and who he did it against, I think they did get it right. I, I think um, folks that are particularly perplexed by whether or not they got it right are probably looking at the fact that he's not in the college football playoff, but two other candidates didn't make it either. So, I mean, Penix is the only one that did. So I don't know, but I, I, I think his performance from week to week, from week to week was probably the most deserving. I agree. I think they got it right. I think Jaden Daniels and, you know, obviously, I think Michael Penix would have been an acceptable winner. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I picked Bo Nix ahead of the season. I feel like I did pretty good, though, with the pick. And well, I mean, he finished third. Four. That's that's pretty darn good. I'll take that. Uh, but, you know, Daniels, again, like you said, it, it, it never mattered. Look, they lost three games. The only game that they lost because of – Poor offensive performance was FSU. The first game? Week one. Yeah. And, you know, they lost to Ole Miss because the defense gave up two touchdowns in the final, like, three minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. And they lost to Alabama. And played with Alabama all the way, you know, all the way up through the third quarter. And so, you know, uh, Two of your three losses being to a team that made the college football playoff and the other that could have made the college football <laughs> playoff. If, you know, <laughs> the two teams that they were debating on who was going to make it of the top four in the country. And then the other one's number 11 in the country. That's a, I mean, just because he has three losses doesn't mean that the three losses are on him. Right. And so I, I think I think it was I think it was a good job by the voters. I think they did exactly right. I do, however, have a question: Who the heck voted for JJ McCarthy in first? 
And whomever it is, show thyself so we can remove your vote permanently. Somebody from Michigan. Oh, there's no question. I mean, Blake Corum got one vote. I understand that one. Yeah. I mean, if anybody from Michigan is going to get a first place it, it vote, should it should be him. Blake Corum, yeah. But not J.J. McCarthy. I think somebody did it just because whoever it was that said McCarthy's Heisman candidacy should be immediately revoked because of the the sign scandal. Yeah. Somebody was like, yeah, well, there we go. He's number one now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Take that. And so, you know, it's just, uh, it is interesting that, that, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't even close and got the invite. And I'm curious. I don't know what the cutoff was. I mean, I'm not seeing all the numbers, they, but well, how close was he to five? To five? I don't know, but he was 500 points away from Bo Nix. From three. That's what I'm asking. I mean, surely he was closer to Bo Nix than the fifth place finisher was to him. That's that's a question. I mean, I don't know why why the break point was between four and five and not between well, the, the break point. The break point was so that it wasn't just quarterbacks quarterbacks is, is my guess now, I, don't, I don't know that but mm -hmm. that's that's what i would guess um this was the closest in the last decade which again not surprising considering how weird it you know how weird of a season it kind of was um i can't find the full voting numbers hmm. But he clearly was closer to five than he was three because he was 500 points and he only got 352 points. He was 500 away from third. And clearly and you can't be more than 500 away from 352. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just anyway. I think voters got it right. I'm glad they did. I'm glad Jaden Daniels won it. So my question to you is who's going to win it next year? Okay. <laughs> so. um, Jordan Travis was fifth with 85. Okay. So at least he had triple digits. Yeah. I'll give him that. Okay. I can give him that. I'll take it. Milrow was six. Ollie Gordon was seven. Cody Schrader was eight. Cody Schrader. Tennessee was his Heisman Miller, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Blake Corum, who is listed as quarterback by the Sporting News, was ninth, and J.J. McCarthy, who is the quarterback at Michigan, is 10th. So I don't know. We, we should have talked about this and didn't, but Cody Schrader was apparently the um, Burlesworth Trophy winner last week. Um, named for Brandon Burlesworth, a former Arkansas offensive lineman, and goes annually to the top college football player who begins his career as a walk-on. And it's presented, I don't know if it's presented in Fayetteville or in Little Rock, but it's presented in Arkansas. And Schrader, in his acceptance speech, thanked the people of Arkansas for letting him back into the state. That's that is great. Yeah. So. Uh, it's in Bentonville. Bentonville. 
I wonder if it's the Walmart if it's at the Walmart distribution center. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, that's it's at the Walmart. It's actually at Walmart, like in the back. In the back, yeah. Um is Jalen Milrow Jaylen? the favorite for twenty twenty four? Because here's the thing, if he has if the first half of his season was as good as the second half of the Tennessee game forward. He probably wins the award this year. Mm-hmm. So if he has a full season, if he plays a full season like the season he just played, like the last half of the season, this season, played. yeah. You know, we we said that. Do you remember when the the December? I think it was maybe nineteen when Derrick Henry just basically burst onto the scene that December. He had like a hundred yard game every single week. And then people were like, well, if you get this December, Derrick Henry, you've got a monster. And they did. Mm-hmm. And he was. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. Jalen yeah. Milrow may be the winner from from post to wire next year. He's going to be tough to beat again if he continues. I don't even I don't even think it's necessarily on this trajectory. Yeah. I just think if he plateaus right here and stays right here. I think Dylan Gabriel at Oregon <laughs> is, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's he has something to basically. deal with. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you, you look at him. I think if Travis Hunter can actually play so, two ways and be healthy, it's hard to eliminate him. And, you know, well, depending I'll, on how good they are. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, based off what we're seeing, they're going to be pretty decent. Ollie Gordon, running back, got some votes this year. Is he back? He is back. I think he'll be an option. And then Cam Ward. Watch out. Has he landed? He's not landed yet. But wherever he is, somebody's getting a Heisman candidate, huh? And then maybe not Jaden Daniels, but how about Jalen? In Kansas? If he can stay healthy. He's a he's a dark horse. It's going to be tough to make a run at the Heisman from Kansas, I think, but we'll see. And yet, Especially, wouldn't it be cool if he did? Oh, absolutely. It'd be a whole lot cooler if he did. <laughs> Come back tomorrow on Main Street Sports. Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll have uh, Chip Walters, as we typically do on Tuesdays, and much more uh, coming your way. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.